What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number 23. This is an intermission show, a very special intermission show, which we will get to in a minute. Uh, but I have with me uh, my partner in crime, Matt Quinn. Hello, guys. And we have two special guests, uh, the first one being Bryce. Hello, everybody. And Aaron. What's up, guys? And, uh, yeah, so uh, Bryce and Aaron um, are, would you say, owners of Tournament of Winners? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're still in the process of incorporating that as well as, like, the website design and marketing business behind that. It's all one entity, though, and it's one branch of it. Okay. And uh, Tournament of Winners is a kind of like an event uh, hub area for the Memphis area. That's correct. Um, and you guys uh, want to uh, create events uh, surrounding esports, tournaments, different things like that, uh, particularly with fighting games, MOBAs, um, and even like competitive first-person shooters. Yeah, absolutely, including card games. Uh, and particularly, we want to do events as well as manage teams in our local area. Uh, so we not only want to be trying to host events so well that like we can take over the world championship of some game, uh, but also have a team that can go compete and win that at other events. So pretty ambitious, but yeah, you know, shoot for the moon. There you go. And hey, it's more than what I could ever come up with. So yeah, um, well... Let's just break the ice here, just real simple. Tell me about yourselves. You guys lived in Memphis. You live in Memphis right now. Were you guys born and raised there? Yeah, I was definitely born and raised here. Aaron? Yeah, I uh, I was born and raised here. I uh, One thing I noticed when I wanted to do esports around the area was people would quit their job, uh, quit school or move to California. And I, I felt like it would be more beneficial to have an esports scene in Memphis. That way people could experience it here and that would make new opportunities for the city. Absolutely. That's, that's one of the big things about esports. It seems like most of the teams, particularly American teams are from uh, Southern California, particularly when it comes to fighting games and stuff like that. Yep. Um, so, Gaming wise, this is a gaming podcast. We talk about all kinds of games. We just finished playing Earthbound, so that's a old nice. you know, ninety-five RPG. Um, oh yeah, we play everything. Um, so tell me, um, what kind of games are you guys into? Like, I mean, what what got you into gaming originally? Have you always been gamers, or? Yeah, I guess me personally, I've been a gamer my entire life. My um, brothers are nine and 11 years older than me. And so they had, you know, like the Atari and like the original NES and like all of those things. It's so like when I grew up, like those were just laying around the house as kind of like their hand-me-downs. Uh, but then also they were like on the forefront of pushing like computer games and everything. And so like I actually grew up watching these decade older pair of siblings playing games uh and so i was i was hooked from a very young age and like that really you know the first time you can actually compete with your older brothers because like it's not fun to play football but it is fun to play you know tetris absolutely and uh what about you Aaron? um yeah i uh, i remember when i was a kid i loved super smash brothers and i ended up that was the first game i stayed up all night playing, trying to get better at it. And then I started at 10 years old. Uh, I would 
organized little tournaments around my around my neighborhood, and, and I, I loved it ever since. So, um, I just remember you know getting getting in trouble because one one of the kids uh, lost, you know, lost some money because you know he's like everybody put in a dollar, uh, and then everyone got five dollars. So he, he cried, <laughs> but but you know it's like. I learned a lot from organizing tournaments, like doing it like that, learning about other people, how to make it fair for everybody. That's why uh, nowadays with like tournament winners, we make sure everybody wins something. Yeah, so that, that's quite a quite a ways from where I met you guys, which was I think I want to say back in March. Train cures cures the dorm. Yeah, absolutely. That was so. That was like the very first thing that uh like we did as a public thing at all um i like i was sitting around and like just knowing that there were college kids who were like desperate for the local esports scene and so like i went out and like was looking for the local esports scene and really didn't find much a bunch of passionate smash players which they're doing like that's still a grindhouse and like really is happening in memphis uh but beyond that there really wasn't much there and so heroes of the dorm was going on and i was like oh man i remember watching this last year on ESPN and like they were Facebook live streaming it this time. And so I was like, man, I'm going to go to the rec room, which is a local bar. You know, they sell beer, they got giant projectors and was like, I'll rent out two of these things and just see who will show up. Uh, yeah. And that was, not a lot of people there. I really appreciate y'all showing up. I mean, like under probably a dozen, I think, in like total attendance um, because like we didn't know anything about advertising. We just knew that we wanted to be a part of it. Um, and then from there, like, you know, we've really learned and made major strides uh, and gotten better at it, I think. Yeah, it, it, it certainly was kind of a interesting event just because it's not the kind of thing you see a lot in Memphis at all. And, you know, there may be some uh, some smash players, but I'll bet even more than that, there's a lot of people who would go to those things if if this sort of community was developed that, you know, I, I've been here three years. I haven't seen a whole lot of it. And I guess in some ways you're lucky to have the rec room around because it's like the perfect venue for it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like those guys are amazing. Like I mean, like just all the arcade machines. Like when you first walk in, they got uh, Pokemon themed Jello shots, like a drink list that includes like Mega Man and like Metroid. Like yeah, it's it's perfect for gamers. It's nice and dark in there and not too bright. Uh, they got all the equipment to actually let you host that. Uh, but yeah, we also you know Aaron really spearheaded the putting on of the League of Legends watch party. Uh, in Olive Branch, Mississippi, at a place called The Real World, which is a land center, uh, which is something that we don't have in Memphis, even though there was a Reddit post about it just the other day. There was a lot of backlash about people not needing it. Um, but, yeah, so we so, – but I do think that people want to play games together. Like, everybody's so isolated through the Internet now, and we're gaming more than ever, but we're seeing less other gamers in person than we ever have at any other time. Uh, and so I think that is really creating that backlash and really making people be like, yeah, not only do I want to do this, I want to do it in person. And, uh, you know, giant projectors don't hurt either. Um, yeah. For, for me, my outlet was really Twitter. You know, when I first discovered Twitter and kind of found out about Twitter, that was my, oh, shit, here's like a whole social platform. I mean, it, the, the platform itself isn't game-related, but my usage of it certainly is. Yeah. Yeah, one thing that I um, I noticed was like 
but you inspired uh, when you came to our thing, our our event. You're like, yeah, we I used to do this all the time in Chicago, but like, and I'm just like thinking that's exactly what we want. What we want to be like more progressive when it comes to events and stuff. So I think that was that you helped validate like that what we're doing is a really good thing. <laughs> Yeah, and I think there's definitely a need here. Like, we got a bunch of messages that are like, hey, host our, like, we need you to host the CSGO tournament. Like, we need you to host, like, this crazy, obscure Japanese game. And, like, we're like, what, like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even know what that is. But people being like, please do it for our game, too. And not just like, hey, like, I love the games you guys are doing, but they're like, come on, do it for this game. And so people are desperate for it. If they had a real platform, I think they would, they would absolutely take advantage of it. So if you were to flash forward a little bit, you know, how do you – let's say you have so many more options of what you can do than you have time to do. How, how would you progress sort of the events that you host and how you uh, yeah. interact with them? Yeah, so, so number one for me, um, like one of the things about growing up watching my brothers play a whole bunch of games is that on like holiday breaks, they would host these LAN parties. And so there would be – you know, I'm sitting there nine years old – and there's eight to twelve like seniors in high school in my house playing like Diablo, Counter Strike, Starcraft, and stuff. And so it was such a cool meeting of all those people that I think I like my mentality is just skewed so that like I have to live that land party life, right? And so I 100% want to live above a land center that also sells alcohol. Um, and so I, and you know I think. If you fast forward two years, I own that, and so I can use that to kind of like have complete control over the environment that the events happen in, and then that way we're able to really produce tournaments where like the entire lights go off in the building and like it focuses on that almost like you know a basketball intro because like the rec room is gonna be like look we got other people here we're not trying to get sued for you guys um, unless you like private book out the entire thing. Um, but so yeah so just bigger and better tournaments with i really want that like land party home kind of base thing but i think ultimately we're not going to be a success until we've hosted an event inside of the fedex forum um and gotten national attention so i don't know if two years is a reasonable timeline for that uh but i think that's where it goes from here right like the biggest venue in the greater like city area sold out full-on whatever game tournament qualifier for the world championships, that type of thing. So I don't know if this is too, too behind the scenes, but what, what's the business model there? Is it, is it entry fees? Yeah. So, so at the, so that's the, this, this is the point I try to drive home all the time uh, is that there is no business model there, right? Like at, at the very top of this, I said that tournament of winners was one branch of this. Uh, I'm a software developer by day. I write code. Uh, one of the things we've used at the tournament of winners is this giveaway system, which is really like audi- audience engagement. Um, and it would work everywhere from like here on your podcast to like inside of the rec room for them personally or for us. Uh, and so there's real software plays where we get big, like the software can make money, um, and then Tournament of Winners is essentially paid advertising for that. Uh, but then also a little bit of marketing as well, because some of the, like just the basic advertising we're doing, a lot of places aren't. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, so the I mean I I think that I think that's the problem though is that there's nowhere that you can actually make there's no business model for you to make this your livelihood. The big giant companies like if you take a Blizzard, they're going to throw BlizzCon and you know Riot is going to throw the World Championships um and those things are going to be bankrolled by marketing budgets because they love to sell that story. And so for you to try out as an independent to sell that to, you know, have the biggest tournament in the world without that marketing budget to bankroll it is crazy. Um, and I, I mean, trust me, I'm an idealist. I would love to believe that you could just get everybody on board, but you only have so many spots in that tournament. You only have so much you can do. Um, and so I think that realistically, my monetary uh, gains from Tournament of Winners is really just the practice and portfolio piece for the software development company. Um, and then as a you know millionaire off of that, I can throw whatever size tournament I want. There you go. And it sucks because that's not what people want to hear, right? Like, like if gamers were tuning in and they're like, oh, yeah, man, how do I start my local esports scene and, like, live this life, like, and, you know, do that forever? I want to be a millionaire off of it. Like, that's that's not what I'm doing here. I do think, that, you know, there's definitely a way with the rise of Twitch and all of that, um, but that's not my angle. Do you think you could ever get enough bodies in the tournaments to where, you know, where the community is large enough that there would be status in winning and then there would be sort of pay to enter or pay for a team and prize money for the tournaments like uh split pots right and so here's so here's the reason that breaks down if let's say you get your ideal world right where you've got a thousand dollar entry and you've got 16 teams that want to pay you that so you've got sixteen thousand dollars there and if you want to dip out of that money and take profit from that they're going to realize that. And it's 2017. It's very easy to throw a tournament. And so someone else is going to throw an actual $16,000 prize pool. And so you could maybe rise to fame by trying to dip into prize pools. One of the things I'm very proud of with us is that we've never, uh, like we've only ever like added to prize pools and never taken, you know, entry fees as money for ourselves type deal. Um, and so I like if any, event that we've hosted ourselves so like really proud of that angle and that mentality i think that if you can do it right you can get enough eyes on it and you can sell a coca-cola sponsorship on your twitch channel live stream you know on the map embroidery type stuff uh and then from there make marketing revenue off of it absolutely yeah that seems like the biggest hurdle right there would be first you have to get the bodies into the tournament and then you mm-hmm. have to, you know... I mean, that's why we throw two monthly Hearthstone events. We throw one 16-man tournament, and we throw one uh, just get-together-and-play. It's not because Hearthstone is my favorite game. I like it. It's all right. I think there's a lot of RNGs in it. But I think that, you know, the fact that we're doing that every single month is just legitimacy to the scene. And lets people know that, like, hey, this is real, this is happening. And by doing that, we're going to have less difficulty getting people to subscribe to the Overwatch League and that actual avenue there. Um, and so, yeah, so I definitely think that the, the, uh, I think that you absolutely have to market it from that perspective. That's, that's, uh, to me, I mean, you got you got more guts than I do. I'll put it that way. 
can I can I give my I want to give my set on it? Sure. Yeah. Um, personally, I feel like one thing that we're do, we're doing is building a community, building like a, a an intrinsic value, a non tangible value in this community we're building that big guys like MLG or Blizzard can't come in here and buy. Um, and, and we're hoping that since we, if we can establish a good gamer army, if you will, that when Blizzard or somebody wants to come to Memphis to make Memphis a, 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 a like a triple eight, Memphis team or something for Overwatch, for example, we already have the audience. We already have um, the building blocks in place that they can just come to us. But hey, can you, can you guys run this, or or they can buy us out? I don't know. Whatever they, yeah, I'll never sell out. Just for the record, um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, like I, I am so in on living that. Like I want to live above a 24/7, 365 land party bar. Like and then just anytime you go downstairs, there's gamers playing, there's beer. Um, like if yeah, if I could live that life, I absolutely would. But I, yeah, I love the point that Aaron just made about like they can't come in here and buy it uh, because it's gonna happen, right? Like there's like there's gonna be they do it with everything. You look at Google Fiber, right? Like it's all in Nashville. It's like slowly spreading this way. It's never gonna make it, or it's gonna make it eventually, but super late to the Memphis smaller urban areas. And so what's gonna what's happening right now is they're throwing these giant massive like local tournaments in LA and New York, right? Like they're the metropolitans. Like you could throw a rock and like literally hit a thousand gamers. So you can actually throw these massive tournaments, massive leagues. Um, And I think it just takes a lot longer for that to actually get to Memphis. And so we'll build it in the meantime. uh, And then when they come here, we don't, an army, I like it. I, I think, you know, they are kind of an army, but it's more like we want friends and people who, like, know that we're, like, pure and in the scene and not in this for, you know, pieces of the prize money. We're in it to, like, give value to them. And so they're willing uh, fans, I guess, unless like, commissioned militants. Yeah, I mean, it's like a grassroots movement, kind of, you know. Yeah, you start, it really is that. Yeah, you start from yeah. the beginning, you get your buddies together, they get their buddies together, and you just keep going from there. Eventually yeah. you'll have, you know, 50, 60, then 100 people, you know, and it's it's great. I mean, it's it's a really great movement. I've been to multiple tournaments before in my local area. I'm, I'm from Athens, Georgia, and, um, you know, <coughs> we've uh, I've been to a ton of Street Fighter tournaments. We used to participate in a lot of them. Um, and that was the biggest thing was that, you know, typically I knew the guys that showed up to every tournament. That was, mm-hmm. that was the biggest thing. And it was yeah. always, uh, it was always kind of like a friendly rivalry thing. And, you know, you never really met a guy you didn't meet before. And that's, yeah. that's the biggest thing is trying to get more people into it. And it was mainly just local, like mom and pop video game stores, you know, and, um, yeah. and there was no real big prize money. They give you a gift certificate for 10 bucks, but it was the fact that you came, you had a good time. And that's all that really matters. And if you keep up with that, you'll get a lot more fan base out of yourself, especially the yeah. loyal fans. Yeah, it's really funny you say that because, like, because I started down this road and like I had graduated from college and I was like, all right, I can, I got a salary now and like I can cuddle side this amount of money to literally just like light on fire slash 
pass out so people will pay attention to the community and the scene. And by going into these places and being like, hey, I got I'm giving away a hundred dollars today for very little, right? Like I maybe got like, you know, five or six Facebook likes out of it. I just literally wanted the scene to do like to feel cool and feel important. And people really were like, oh man, you're giving away a hundred dollars, huh? Like, ah, this is, this is, must be something serious, like corporate monopoly stamped. Like it was like, I was like, nah, I'm super grassroots. I'm just giving you all my money. And they, and they weren't, they weren't appreciating it the same as like when you walked in and were like, all right, guys, there's only $10 on the line. Cause they felt like that was a lot more like personable. So yeah, it's interesting. Like I almost get more value giving away less. It's just so weird. Absolutely. Yeah. There's gotta be, there's gotta be something to the longevity too, because I know even going in there, and uh, losing just miserably at Smash Brothers to Aaron, you know. Now, Smash Brothers isn't quite the game, but had I, you know, if it were a different game like Tekken or some other competitive games and I had lost equally as bad, I think having that assurance that these tournaments would be going on every other week or every month is the kind of thing that would say, all right, there's actually value in me practicing now as opposed to just, Hey, here's a game I like to play casually, but I'm terrible at it. You know, yeah. I want to get better at it because I know these tournaments are coming up. And yeah. it, it's the same thing, you know, personally, I've always wanted to learn, you know, another language, but it comes to when am I actually going to use it? Exactly. You know, I have limited time on this earth and I would love to learn another language, but if I, it's much different to say I'm going to be in that country in three years. So how much can I learn in that time frame? Much like if there's a tournament coming up, how much better can I get in one month? Right. That's yeah. A like much, it, a much stronger impetus, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, because like they always say, the best way to learn is go to Spain. And you're like, go oh, learn Spanish, go to Spain, because that's what I took in college. And they're like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, because there you have no choice because you're just in it every day. The same way you'd be an amazing Overwatch player if like you only got paid based off how good you were at Overwatch. Uh, and so I think that was, that's a huge motivator for us too in the team scene because the same, it's funny cause like you're talking about the like local competitor and like the events, but we've seen this exact story play out in our Overwatch team. So we had an event that Aaron found called the Jackson Gaming Land, uh, JGL 5.0. I think it's the fifth year they've done it. Um, and they're just like a local gaming scene. They have multiple teams in Jackson. And so we got an Overwatch team together and went there and won the whole thing. And it was like this great high note. And it was like, oh, yeah, um, here we are. And like we literally were like, we're going to subscribe to all of your streams if you have them. We're going to give you like $20 a month. And because there was nothing else, but there was no like hard tournament on the schedule for the next two months and they're still practicing, but I think it's been, you know, there's not a galvanizing force there. And if they don't find some competition to get in sometime soon, people are going to for real start like kind of wandering away slash they already have. Uh, and so like, yeah, just that, that knowledge that man, it's going to be there. I can practice, get better and come back next month and try to win. I think is huge. That's interesting. I I never thought of it from that angle. Like you, you, you want to create events, but you create a team that represents those events and send them to other events to actually spread your name. That's actually pretty freaking smart. That's, yeah. that's really good. Yeah, we try. We, I mean, we, look, we're trying, man, because uh, it's hard, right? Like, like I'm literally giving up like five 
figures out of my salary to this thing and like I mean, we're not making money you know like we're literally just trying to see gamers game um and it really like i mean it's i don't it's rewarding you know because like people are gaming and like we're seeing it right like the same people who would have never been out of their house this month are like yeah or like, you know not this month but like you know they go out but like they wouldn't go socialize right they're not only getting to come out they're getting to do exactly what they love um and then you know you got to be smart about it though come at it from all the angles <laughs> promotions teams like i said the the it's all uh it's all really it's not a front but it's like literally tournament of winners is the perfect client because i have unlimited passion to do it for my uh programming company and my marketing company and so pro- approaching it with a lot of practicality so that we can be here in five to ten years okay well let's um let's let's move to the games you guys are wanting to really have events for so we've absolutely we've talked about obviously overwatch which i'm a huge fan of i've I don't. I can't tell you how many hours I put in that game. I absolutely love Dude, it. It's great. It's great. What are you maining right now? If you don't mind me stopping you, um, I am actually a pretty big Lucio player in comp. Um, okay. At any other time, right. we usually try to fill in as Ryan. Unfortunately, Ryan is getting some. He's getting some. Uh, Nurse. Yeah. It, you it's, say it's, it. It's unfortunately um, because you know dive comp is really big right now, so everybody's yep. wanting you to play Winston or maybe Zarya and stuff like that, and. I mean, I, like I started with Ryan. That was the first character I ever wanted to learn. I'm, I mainly play tanky heroes in, in any kind of game, even RPGs and stuff like that. Yep. And um, I'm not good at aiming. I have never been good at aiming. And that's why I typically play a support character or maybe like a, a tank kind of character. And Reinhardt's right up my alley. Lucio definitely is. Yep. Um, Winston. Yeah. What's that, Winston? Yeah, that's... It's funny because this is the exact conversation I just had with one of the guys in the Overwatch team. Like he's been maining Ryan. He's like telling me like how like oh man it's gonna get like down. Like you know they want me to play all this Winston. I'm trying to learn to jump in and like you know ro- like rocket boost ape <laughs> and like he's bad at aiming too. Like it's great. Like it's so many parallels like between it. Like you guys could have a beer and have a lot of fun. I think. Oh yeah, I love talking Overwatch. But I mean, it, like so we talked about Overwatch. Obviously, um, the the MOBA scene which is absolutely huge right now. Uh, I know uh-huh. you talk, you mentioned League of Legends. I personally yeah. don't have much experience our, with League Aaron's of Legends. Aaron's our guy on that. I pl- I'm like rank 11 or so. I played like Lissandra about 30 games. Um, but yeah, him, he's been at the real world. Like, you know, they've, there's, what's crazy about that, man, is there's so much passion for it. Like, those guys are, man, they're, they're so into it. And I remember, cause I'm a huge, like, Warcraft 3 buff, and so, like, I remember Dota and, like, playing that and being super into it and knowing, like, exactly what build it was and, like, being toxic as hell to people who, like, didn't know the current meta of the game. Um, and, like, that stuff is still going on, except on steroids and in 2017 uh and it's it's nuts man like i, I love it though no well, aaron yeah. you, you're the big league of legends guy talk, talk about it for me because i honestly i'm a heroes of the storm player i like it simple i like yeah. it easy i'm not good at going to the store and buying equipment and all this other stuff i like it real simple so go ahead talk talk about league of legends for me okay well um one of the things that how Le- how league has evolved is you know you could play people online like at the push of a button you could play a ranked match and get a good feel for 
where your skill level is. You're, you know, everybody has like their rank. You know, it goes from bronze to silver to gold, platinum, all, all you know, all the way to master and challenger. And and to me, that's a good indicator of your skill. But I, I identify I identified that there's a real need for to, to win locally, to play local players, to learn how to beat another team is where the real fun of playing League of Legends competitively is. So, so I decided I wanted to run a a big League of Legends tournament uh, on a local level because I know that people a lot of players are tired of grinding through rank. They rather, they rather win something within a couple of weeks and, and feel like they're like the best at the game, even if they're not the best in the country, but they're the best locally and that feels good. So I think, um, bring, bringing the land aspect to a game like that is really important. Absolutely, that, that's the biggest thing, especially even in Overwatch. Whenever I see it, I play a lot of solo queue stuff. You never know who you're going to get paired with. If you play yep. with local guys, you're going to learn them. You know what they play. You know how they play, and you can strategize better at the local level. So I totally understand that. That that definitely works. Um, yeah, it's you know it, it's interesting. You know, like the the parallels, like you like you said, Bryce, about um just how my personal gaming habits are, and when it comes to a tournament level. Um, I know that you guys, I'm sure you've done fighting game tournaments before, obviously, Super Smash Brothers. Um, yep. Are you big Street Fighter guys or Guilty Gear, Blaze Blue? What about that kind of stuff? Yeah, so our, our, the third guy who's not here, Alex, um, he's definitely much more the fighter personality. Um, he loves Blaze Blue right now. We just actually at the last Hearthstone event had Evo on, um, and we're watching a lot of the Smash and the Blaze Blue from there. And he was explaining to me like the real intricacies of each one of those characters. Um, what? I, so I, currently, we are not actually hosting any, or we don't actually have any like definitive plans to host any fighting games right now. Um, we know that the people are very passionate about it that the rec room just did a really successful um, Tekken tournament uh, and that there was a lot of interest in it. And what's really interesting about those games is just the one-on-one nature. Cause the last time we were at the uh, magic arena, the greater magic arena, they were doing uh, fighting games there as well. And so we got to kind of see a lot of that up close and personal. You know, they walked in with the almost like they cut it out of what's the name of that. They cut it out of a arcade machine. Like it's got the joystick and the six buttons. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, uh, what's the, I don't, uh, joypad? is it a joypad? The, uh, cause I yeah, mean, yeah, it's arcade it's stick kind of. yeah, it's like literally like the top of the, um, the actual arcade machine, like the little, like eight, this thing goes in six different directions, uh, knob, and then the six buttons on the side and they were crushing it with that, um, and just going in on it. So there's a, the nice thing about those two is, they're great spectator sports. 
because there's always action and it's always life or death and it's always do or die. When you go into something like a MOBA, the first five minutes are generally pretty boring, um, you know, and then there's these big lulls in it. Uh, and the same for first person shooters too. Like those can actually absolutely like happen way too quick. I think the fighting game scene, unlike any other, is really a great spectacle, even if you have not ever cared about games at all um the sports scene like if you care about sports those can be great spectacles even if you're not a gamer but if you don't care about sports and they don't look pretty or they don't look good at all fighting games it's two people punching kicking you know energy waving each other in the face constantly and so they are amazing to watch and i think that really helps the scene be uh be very prominent yeah, that's yeah. Right. There's no no interpretation needed. Punches and kicks right. are easy to understand. <laughs> and and Go ahead. one thing that really I really enjoy about the fighting game scene is it 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 um, highlights one of the great aspects of competitive gaming in general, whether it be League of Legends, Overwatch, or fighting games, is that there are certain mechanics in the game, certain nuances that, that only that scene knows about. And like in in Smash Melee, there's a thing called um, like wave dashing, which was never intended to be a, a mechanic, but it ended up being one that every every person who wants to compete in that game has to know about. And I think that's really interesting um, from an insider perspective because it's it's what like finding ex, finding nuances like that, you know, having that vernacular in those games is what really makes it dynamic and. It, it, it increases the barrier to entry for newer players, yep. um, but at the same time, it makes it so like, like you know, like there's a there's a big skill gap, um, and I think that's what identif- that's one of the things that unifies different esport titles is those nuances that yeah, absolutely. Just like he was talking about earlier when he was like. Um... And I'm sorry, I, yeah, he was talking about, he was talking about how he goes and like, oh, I know everybody at the place and then we all fight each other. You also know that they know the button combinations, right? You're like, uh, these, these people can all put together a seven hit combo. Like, it's not like they don't know what is actually happening here. And so like, there's almost like the inside joke, right? Or like a, like a, yeah, like almost like an inside joke that you guys share, except it's really like an inside like skill set, which is really like the nuance of Tekken or uh, Smash Brothers. Yeah, that's yeah. just every every tournament we went to, it's always the Green Brothers. The Green Brothers <laughs> show up to every tournament, and they always win every freaking tournament. Like, oh, good, here they come. So yeah, it's, yep. it's one of those things where well, we know that they're good, and you know we know what they play, everything like that. So, um, and the the big. The big push for fighting games, I think it, it really it happens to me every single year because I watch Evo every single year, yep. even though I'm not currently playing a fighting game right now. When I watch Evo, the first thing I want to do is go play a fighting game. And yep. I think getting people just in the venue to watch a fighting game will get them to want to play the game. Yeah, that's a that no other type of tournament or anything like that will get me to play a game more than a fighting game tournament. I absolutely yep. love it. They're fantastic. Yeah, yeah, there was there was nothing like that. Like we were we were at the Hearthstone event, like you know, eight Hearthstone players deep, and we're watching Evo, and we're and like we're like we're all jumping up 
like oh like watching like Smash Brothers and Blaze Blue, just like oh like I'm watching Blaze Blue. Like, I don't even know what's going on. I have no idea what these characters are. Like, he's trying to explain it to me, and like I, I was super hyped because you just know when someone's winning, and when and like that makes me want to go really take that back up, get it, bust out my like uh, Eddie Gordo Tekken <laughs> Three <laughs> Capoeira yeah. style windmill and just button mash the whole time that's that's how good i am at fighting games but what, well, it's what interesting are... that you say that though because i think one of the one of the hardest things for any of these competitive games and you know obviously one of the challenges on the developers is to make it so that it can be a little bit button mashy so you can get people who aren't good at it to feel good enough to want to stick with it as opposed yeah. to something with a super high barrier of entry where it's like yeah i, I don't have six months to to train i can't take a course on this yeah, that's, yeah, that's so. That's just uh, what's that's what's crazy too, because when you look at League of Legends, like the skill cap there is so high, but they made it free to play. You can download it whenever, and you can play at a terrible level. And like, I could log in right now and not feel like really bad, right? Because like, I would get matched with normal people. Um, but then to really play it at the highest level is is a completely different game versus like Tekken, where like. If you're just lucky enough, you can possibly hit one button in one direction and actually win that game against somebody who's not just elite with it. Uh, and so, yeah, I guess it's a, that's an interesting thought to think about, like, the balance they have to walk between, like, how good is this or, like, how competitive can this be? And also, how can somebody just pick it up and not just get demolished? Yeah, that's one thing that... Um that's one of the things that I noticed when it comes to League of Legends, where it's like people are so, uh, you know, they use rankings like divisions, like silver, gold, just to give you a good like rough indicator about wh- where where you are. And you know, at the, even at the pro level, the highest level of play, there's still a huge skill gap there. They, they're all they all know how to play the game. They're all like. And the top one percent of the of all the players, and they still have a a tenth place team and a first place team. So, um, like when people like currently in, my, in the tournament I'm running, people are like, "Hey, why'd you put me against that those diamond players?" Or high? And I'm like, "Well, you know, back at back when you went to your friend's house to play them in a game, you didn't ask them, hey, what rank are you? You just played them, and you said, I want to learn how to beat you, and eventually you won. And I think that's kind of missing when it, when it comes to online rankings and uh, like ladders and stuff like that. So I think um, bringing that back to the, its roots of, you know, I want to beat you in, in this game, I'm going to find out how, is I think really um, important to to drive competition. That's a, that's interesting. I think like, I, I want to put two cents on this because I kind of disagree with you in some regards. I think that um, like I, I won as a person who in college, my roommate brought a foosball table uh, to our house and he was really good. And I probably lost four to 500 times in a row before I won, like, let alone, like, you know, the hundred where I didn't even score on them and just got whooped and whooped and whooped and got better. But I do think that in modern age, they're not going to go back to that, right? Like, they're going to continue to use those different bands where, like, you're silver, so you play against silver people. Because otherwise, it was just really random. Like, if you were bronze, 
you mean you got you're gonna get matched with diamond people and just get demolished like i like i don't think that they will that's where i disagree with you. like i don't think that's on the comeback um i but i also think that through things like twitch and the ability to watch elite players and learn their habits and see what it looks like if you were playing the game, you can go from bronze skill to diamond skill like never before, like never before. Because where it used to t- take like years of, of, I don't know, I guess vanilla wow to go get through the mechanics of every boss, now the same day they release the boss, there's 30 streams of that boss and how to beat it. Uh, and so I think that, 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 uh, just the way gamers are learning is a little different. Um, where like you, and sure, part of it, like you can't learn that, uh, you can't learn that, uh, muscle memory from the foosball table by watching Twitch, but man, you can absolutely learn how to pass from the outside in and make that score and then go practice that muscle memory a bunch of times. Uh, so yeah, I, I just, I think that it's a very interesting time and I think that to get better playing is actually not the number one thing you can do. I think that you can go watch one of the number one players in the world, uh, type thing. Yeah. And on top of that being with other people and just sharing strategies with each other and stuff like that. I mean, I learned a lot just going to tournaments and, you know, just the thing is like learning nuances of how people play not just by playing against them, but also watching them. It's, it's, um, that's a real important thing when it comes to getting better at, at games, particularly even fighting games. That's one of the reasons why it makes me like every time I watch Evo, it makes me want to play a, a fighting game is because I look at that. And I'm like, I can do that. I can at least try, you know, and I, I decide to yep. boot back up street fighter. And then I realize, yep. well, I'm, I'm too old for that now. So it's it's weird. Like that's another question I actually have for you. Is like the 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 target demographic for for this this type of uh, uh, events and stuff like that. Um, are you looking probably somebody probably late teens to mid to late twenties kind of thing? Or obviously everyone's welcome, but I mean there's obviously a a age group that you want to hit. Yeah, so I, so I'll give you the inside uh, juice on the Facebook ads. Uh, we do sixteen to fifty, um, and that is based. That's all the ads that we run. So, like, if you were to ask me, like, what's a hard target? It's sixteen through fifty years old. I think that a lot of people would say, "Hey, you should really tone down that top number and bring it in more to like the sub thirty category." For me personally, I think two things: one, those people over thirty might have kids around the age of like the grow up thing it's like we need to get them as the parents who can influence the younger ones but also there's so many people in the world like myself included who walked away from video games because it wasn't cool and like i didn't like not like when i first went to college like 18 years old i had a choice i was like man i've been playing wow really hard I'm up here. The internet sucks at college. And so I can either like suffer through this wow addiction up here, or I could walk away from all this and try to go get laid. Right. And like, so I did that. Like I, I, I pretended not like I never played video games. Like I wasn't it. We ended up playing Call of Duty immediately after this, um, for like the entire time. But like I wouldn't bring it up in public because I was, I, you know, I thought there was a certain stigma associated with it. But I think, in that generation, 
there were so many people who could have been Twitch stars, but Twitch didn't exist, right? There were so mm-hmm. many people who, like, I have a computer science and mathematics degree. The only thing I've ever wanted to do is make video games. I didn't want to learn all that math. I didn't want to learn all that computer science. I went and did it because that was guaranteed money, and it wasn't like it wasn't actual video games. If I had had my dream life, I'd have been making games from the very beginning. Um, and so I think that getting, I think that it's important to target those people because they have reservations and regrets that they didn't go after it, slash that it exists now and not when they were actually able to capitalize on it. Yeah. Um, my one comment there is it's funny because when I went to college, it was the first time in my life that I had good internet. Nice. <laughs> um, As opposed to the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to make a point on, on – I wanted to talk more about the point that Bryce made about the stigma. So one thing I noticed about esports in college is that uh, – well, take a step back. I um, I actually made a, uh, a esports club um, organization at the University of Memphis called uh, – University of Memphis um, Gaming and Esports Association, and one of the goals was to decrease that stigma of oh we're gamers and we just we, we sit in a, in a dark room and play games and grow a beard. Um, so I wanted to make because I noticed that you know you know there's a, there's a exception, but you know. You know, gamers they would be picked last for a traditional sport, like in high school, for example. But then, like in esports, like they're really if they're really good at StarCraft, they got picked first, right? So I, I thought they could still feel like a star player and be celebrated by their peers, uh, and and that would decrease the stigma of oh, you're a gamer. You don't do anything else. You don't. You're not doing anything, anything productive. You're just wasting time. And I, and I like the idea of the fact that you're practicing towards a goal, and you're actually achieving something by by doing something that other people perceive as uh, you're just waste. You're just spending your time on unproductively. Um, I thought that was imp- an important part. So, like, in terms of demographics. The demographic was the was, you know, the students, but also trying to get into the minds of decision makers who who might not see, you know, esports in the same way that people like millennials see it. And I thought that was an important driver um, of that um, of the of the organization. So. The uh, well, you know, you bring up a good point. The and I I'm not a statistics person at all, but I have heard that the average um, age for a uh, traditional video game player now is actually thirty thirty to thirty five. So I mean, it's it's people like me. I'm thirty one. I grew up playing, you know, Mario Brothers stuff like that. Um, now that we have the money to buy those games, we we buy them, um, and it feels like it. it it kind of hits that nostalgia factor because, you know, like when a new Street Fighter comes out, people are like, oh, man, I remember playing Street Fighter 2 in the arcades and stuff like that. And um, it gets people out there and, and buys their games. Um, but, you know, you hit a good point 
with the uh, marketing to the older um, people because of obviously their kids. A lot of people, especially older people, you know, so people that's in their fifties and forties, they'd be like, "Ah, oh, my kid never gets out of the house. All he does is sit around and play video games." You find out, well, there's this tournament going on. It'll get him out of the house, and he's still playing his games. So it's kind of like a win-win situation. Um, and I never actually thought of it that way until you just brought it up. So there you go. Uh, dude, I want, so I want to say something about that because I'm really proud of something else that we've done. But um, the first thing I want to say is. Back to the you like games are better than ever, right? Like the, like like like. Do you remember the Tecmo Super Bowl? Because oh, yeah. I like I like I feel like you're like, like we're about at the same age. Like I like I Tecmo Super Bowl was amazing, right? Was like game. I thought I thought <laughs> like like I literally still to this day am a Colts fan purely because of Tecmo Super Bowl. People are <laughs> always like, oh, you like Peyton Manning? I'm like. I didn't know who the fuck Peyton Manning was. <laughs> I picked them because I beat my brother on Tecmo Super Bowl with the Colts at like age seven. Like, not that young, but like a little, you know, like as a kid, like I beat my brother with the Colts, my team from then on in real life and everything else. I'm one of the few people who I think picked their favorite football team. Uh, the other point I want to make is I'm picked top three amongst my friends in frisbee and soccer and basketball every time so i don't like that stigma i, I definitely think the stereotype is true i don't think it dictates that just want to say that for all the gamers who are semi-athletic out there um so games are better than ever i'm good at sports um but the, <laughs> the, the, the sorry the real point uh to what you were saying Oh, about things, about targeting the parents. One of the things I'm super proud of is that two children come to the uh, the Hearthstone events. One of the four, Mana uh, 77, and then also Mutant Craft. Their parents bring them. One of the one Mutant Craft's dad actually plays. Uh, the four, Mana 77, his mom plays but she normally, you know, she just shows up. She doesn't actually participate in our events. She will occasionally play one. Yeah. And she's just super proud of her, like, son for actually getting out there and doing something. And and for me, that, like, I look at them and I go, man, I remember being a little kid. And I remember getting to play video games at, you know, six or seven with my 18, 17-year-old brothers. And that being a real medium for us to communicate on and socialize through. And because they were there in person, you actually build social skills versus the other way where like you've got your, you've got the anonymity of the internet and you're in like the looking for group channel of wow. So like a la 2005, like there was like, like, it, like, you, like, oh man, just expletives, like <laughs> slurs, like there was no there was no filter there. You got to say whatever you wanted. And as like a sixteen year old kid, I'm sure I said a lot of stuff I would be terrified of if they brought it to my attention right now. My my Warcraft three um tag was stoned midget. <laughs> I like it, it's actually in battle.net like if you go look at the Warcraft 3 thing like it tells you what your name is for whatever reason <laughs> um and I was like oh god I was like man that was before PC was a thing and like I like I wasn't even like a drug addict then like you know I was like oh my god like what is really happening here um that I would be allowed to have that at like you know 14 13 years old 
Well, that's yeah, so, that's that's actually really good. Um, you know, I was going to ask. I mean, is is the events kind of kid friendly? Obviously, you want everybody and anybody can, to come in, but you know, I mean, like if you're having this stuff at like a bar or a barcade or something like that, obviously it it can pose some issues. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's I I think that's actually fantastic. I when I did um I did a Halo tournament. This was years ago at one of my local uh, mom and pop stores. This kid came in. I'm not good at Halo, but I came because I liked the people that, 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 you know, hosted the event and the guy that owned the place. And, yep. um, I participated in it. I, I lost completely. This kid, he was 12 years old. He didn't say a single word to anybody, but he wiped the floor with every single person <laughs> there. Yep. And, and then his mom came and picked him up. And he left with his $10 gift card. And I was like, you know what? That kid's going places. And so, like, your kid was so happy. Like that, you know, he was super thrilled. He was oh, like, yeah. "Oh man, I, f- I won!" But and like, kind of the opposite side of that story is like one of like those kids. So the and we actually did the first like uh, like official like sixteen man tournament. Line them up like who's the best amongst us um, instead of like the miniature competitions. And so this kid, uh, I mean, he got to the final. Like, you know, top. I think he tied for ninth. Uh, maybe tied for fifth. He got really up there and he lost, you know, and like you're sitting there watching like a young, like 11, 12 year old go through the like mental stress of like, I came here wanting to be the shit, thinking I was the best with all kinds of hubris. And then I, you know, one was fun. One, like I'm bragging to my mom. One, my sister shows up. I'm like bragging to my sister and then lost and then got to go really get humble and like go deal with that loss in like person versus when you're doing it online and you can just walk away, you know, punch your monitor. Like you could, you know, you can act really crazy, I guess at that point. It's like, those are like real life lessons. I feel, I feel like we've impacted that kid. Like, so much already it's weird <laughs> yeah. oh man matt you got any uh anything you want to bring up no just that uh but i don't really have a whole lot of experience with in-person tournaments just my one that i always always bring up because i got so close to winning which was that street fighter tournament at the first uh first pax east where you when- almost beat yeah. justin wong yeah i almost beat justin wong got all the way to second place almost won the arcade cabinet Walked away with my little, uh, my little portable emulator, which I still use. Yep. There you go. It's fun. It's a fun tournament. I mean, but, but to the point where it was the experience of the tournament more than even the actual playing in it. I mean, this was like some bar basement that was like flooded with people because, you know, the first packs used to just let out and, you know, the streets were packed. The bars were packed. This underground was packed. We just kind of wandered into this tournament and played in it. And it was just really an unforgettable experience. Yeah. And uh, to me, it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and I didn't even do that until I was in my early 20s. So, you know, I would it would be really cool to be able to have that kind of a uh, of an environment, of a situation that you could sort of count on and, and go have that. This was less of a less about community and more about the experience. But to be able to have both and to have it regularly would be really cool. Yeah, um, you'd be surprised. Like I didn't. You know, people have been asking me to do this like League of Legends thing for a while, and I'm like, and then, and then I start doing it, and people are were started getting so concerned about like winning first prize that they kind of lost track of like it's supposed to be like a very fun, like you get to see who's see how good you are, how you stack up against your 
local competitors and stuff, and then I had, I had to remind them that you know, it, it's all about fun and the experience and getting pl- getting to play a lot of games. That, uh, yeah, that, it's funny um, you say that because like when you were thinking that I, when you were saying that, I was thinking about the Smash community and about how those guys go. And they play all the time, right? And like even the guy who oh, I forgot this was—you weren't at the heart. Uh, you were doing League of Legends stuff during this Hearthstone tournament. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so the guy at the Magic, the Greater Magic Arena—they're actually going to DreamHack next weekend uh, to play Smash. But he was talking about how he went to Nashville, and he really—he actually—I think at Nashville he had a good showing. But I think the last time I had talked to him, he hadn't had really like the greatest showing, and so. He was kind of down on it, but you could tell like it was just like ah oh, yeah it's whatever it is because they've gone and they've pl- they get to play because in the Smash in Memphis like you could play three games a week like you could literally go to three Smash tournaments every single week in Memphis at least two but like most weeks there's three and so you could go completely and so you get the experience of losing and you get to know what it's like and you get to know it's not the end of the world versus when you go to like some basement right after PAX East and then you know you've never lost before and you get all the way to the end and then you lose and then it's super impactful and dramatic you know like it's you like you would have benefited from the ability to go back and lose again next week so that you could have like known that it would have been all right that you can lose yeah. Absolutely, except never having lost was not my state of, of competency at Street Fighter at that time. I had no business being anywhere near second place in that tournament. I just nice. got really lucky. And okay. to this day, I mean, uh, one of my favorite pictures in my whole life is that picture of the tournament bracket. Yeah, sweet. And that's the beauty of it is like, you know, it's not like, you know, if, if, a, team, if a team is all bronze and they find a way to beat the diamond team by employing a strategy or banning out the champions that these guys are Yeah, they just go murky. Yeah. Yeah, like guerrilla tactics is a real thing. I think that's like one of the fun fun aspects that um you know, it's a really fun aspect to to pick up on. This might Absolutely. be a naive question, but did, did they ever do handicaps in any esport games? Um Hmm, that's interesting. I, I I think that you know some of the higher qualifiers get easier seeds. Of course, as far as like a real handicap, ah, so I, I would think it would be shunned. Yeah, I don't think it would be shunned. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I can't shunned. think of anything. I think that's one of the. Bowling. I would Usually, think, yeah, I guess bowling and golf, right? I would think that one of the beauties of esports is that you get to play on that same that like that common ground, right? Yeah. And so, like to to. To take that away is a little like because like versus where you take a thing like golf, right? It might make sense to have certain hand, like I need a bigger handicap than Tiger Woods, right? Even though he's not the best right now because he's just played a lot more. He's got like a better physical frame for it, and so like for us to play a legitimate game isn't fair because of our bodies. But like the, the actual esports, like man, the whole point is I guess it's not fair because your hands. Maybe there's a hands esports cap. <laughs> Uh, I, guess that, I guess that could work. Well, I mean, there, but not not necessarily because there's there's one there's one guy who's like he got the master in League of Legends and he doesn't have hands. He plays with his feet. So yeah. like, there's a way. You know, no excuses. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, right? One one cool thing that you brought up though is that, um, you know, you never really need to worry about um, like a, like a bias. Like you know, if you look at basketball, 
there's always like, oh, the referee was wasn't on our side. People say that a lot, like the calls, like yeah, like in like in League of Legends or Overwatch, like all the rules are built into the game. So right, well, like, I, I I guarantee there's some guy out there somewhere who's like, and the and my my damn computer lagged, and I and I didn't get the skill shot. And it's not my fault. I should have won that. Turn. Like I yeah. guarantee yeah. that's out there. That, that is well, out there. That, that is. is absolutely out there. Well, like you know, the game's the game's design is a referee. Like if if the best champion la- uh, last time is now the worst champion, then the, then the team has to adapt to that. Yeah. You know, like that's most of the ref or the rule. Like there's no pe- you're not relying on penalties to win like you do in like basketball. Like whoever has the most. Whoever, whoever shoots the most free throws usually win, usually wins the game. Yeah, um, absolutely. So uh, I think one of the one of the other things to pivot here, one of the other things that we wanted to talk about today, um, or at least we went over it a little bit, was the the difference and like the migration of video games from like that original kind of like you had to show up to an arcade and you had to play right next to the person and like that was the only way you're ever gaming to like the evolution of like you can game a home alone to the evolution of the internet to where like oh that was like a rare thing like people were still in arcades more then the internet happened and people were like oh we can kind of be disjoint a little more and then that back to today, where like even the massive, like all of most of the online like money tournament or most of the biggest money tournaments are in person tournaments, and just kind of how that's been like an evolving door. Um, and just one particular game which I wanted to bring up because I'm just a Blizzard fanboy and um, been playing their games since like basically the beginning, uh, Warcraft Two. Because Warcraft 2 was uh, releases the Tides of Darkness, and then there was an expansion beyond the Dark Portal, which is like basically the subject of the um, Warcraft movie, so like you know, circa the last couple of years. But this game was actually released as Warcraft 2 in 95, 96. Um, I think it was released in both, uh, depending on the platform. And then in 99, it was re-released with a Battle.net edition. And so that was like the dawn of like Battle.net, because Diablo was all, you could play at local area network, you could play it individually, like the original Diablo. Um, and then Warcraft was the same way, and then Warcraft 2 released the same way. But then that became like the dawn of Battle.net. Um, and then from there, you really... There are games now that you like World of Warcraft. Like you cannot play them without the internet, and I mean you'd have to go through extreme links of setting up your own server. Uh, and I know Aaron had some things he wanted to say on this, uh, as far as just like that weird kind of dynamic of like we are constantly promoting and like doing everything we can to get gamers in person to play the same games because we think it's a beneficial process despite the fact that that's where gaming originated and has done nothing but trend towards online like general chats and stuff uh and so aaron yeah i'll let you chime in yeah um first i want to see what the uh the host think about you know the, the or, how it's it started like offline and went to online if, uh, first. Well, I mean, I started off playing in the arcades. I mean, obviously, I had an NES at the house, but um, you know, uh, my mom she'd give me fifty cents 
dropped me off at this place. We had it's called Pro Swing, which was kind of like a uh, mini golf course kind of go kart thing. But they also had arcade. My mom would drop me off there. She'd run errands. This was back in like the early nineties. Parents left their kids at places. That's what happened, guys. Um, yep. But anyway, so it's, it's uh, funny. It's still going on. No, we meet like literally like at the real world where these League of Legends tournaments on. They're like all the time. They're kids there, and those kids are like dropped off on their own, and like we're hanging out. And then at some point, they're like, "Oh, my mom's here. Got to go," and they just like run out the door. And like there's six or eight deep. Like some days when I'm there. So just saying, this is still happening. Uh, and I, you know. Very rarely and in isolated situations, video games might be one of the rare situations where that's still happening. Um, yeah, sorry, continue. But no, no it's, that's all right. It's, um, but yeah, uh, I played a lot of Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2 Tournament Edition was my game. And, uh, you know, it's it's very different when you're playing with somebody right next to you. It's very yeah. per- It's very personal. Um, you know, you get online, you get the crap beat out of you, and you can just rage quit if you want, stuff like that. But then, you know, you don't, you, everybody's looking at you, everybody's watching you. And, um, there's nothing quite like it. Obviously, with the trend of moving up to online gaming and stuff like that, it opened up doors, but you never have that real personal feel. Um, and that was one of the great things about tournaments whenever I went to them. Uh, and I, I rarely get to go to tournaments anymore, you know, obviously real world stuff and mortgage and everything else. But, um, but yeah, life, yeah, life got in the way. I'll be getting married, uh, next year. So it's congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm really excited to hear you. I hope she knows. Um, and I would assume, or he, uh, you know, it's 2017, can't judge these days. Um, but, uh, what do you call it? Uh, and I'm excited to hear that you're going to be engaged for at least five months because that, that's just a, that's just a good idea. Yeah. That's, we, we wanted to do that. We, we gave ourselves a full year. Uh, nice. So yeah, yeah we're, sorry. We're, that's we're not, not video game related. No, it's, it's nothing as, as, as it is with, and it, it is. Uh, she is Laura. So, um, yeah, okay. yeah I love thanks, you, baby. Thanks for I know clarifying. I know you're probably listening. Um, <laughs> it, it could be uh, game related. If you, if you, you can get married in a lot of games. So. That's true. <laughs> Actually, recently on the Memtex, like they were sharing this um, dad's dating simulator. It's like you were a dad and like you had your kid, and it was like it's anyway. Sorry. <laughs> oh God. So there are games where you cannot be married. <laughs> sounds like a, sounds like a YouTube like. PewDiePie market. Uh, it sounds like yeah. Twitch bait is exactly yeah. what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. YouTube bait. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, well, I, I, you know, obviously it, it, the internet evolved. Uh, I know the first online game I played was probably Quake 3 Arena. Um, yeah. Played a lot yeah, that's of that. A, man, so good. Yeah, that and Diablo 2 were like two of my jams like when I was 15. So it's... it's um. It opened up avenues, obviously, but like I said, I, there is nothing quite like playing it for us. Because, you know, obviously, you know, I was playing Call of Duty 4 back in the Xbox Live days whenever I had a little kid calling me every name of the book, and he obviously slept with my mother at, at one point or another. Yep. Um, but, you know, I was like, I bet you this kid wouldn't be saying this stuff if I was standing right next to him. Oh, yeah. You know, so, yeah. I mean, that, to me... I do a lot of online playing now because obviously it's convenient. Um, yeah, but and you're I, an adult, right? It's a little different. <laughs> yeah, and so <clears throat> I can't do the tournament stuff anymore. I, I am horrible at Overwatch. I fully admit it. I've put 
probably 250 something hours into it, but I'm still yeah. horrible. Um, but that's no, me. I, like I'm never great at games. Like I, I love playing. I love knowing a lot about them. But like I'm, I'm just never gonna be that like world class esports player. Just because I like to have too much fun when I'm doing it. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I that I brought up was that you know you get those people at tournaments, and I'm sure you get them at your events too, where they just take. It's good to take stuff seriously, but when you cross that fine line of becoming you know toxic. It's yeah. it's not fun anymore, and the whole point of going to a tournament is being with like-minded people, having a good time, and just you know, talking about video games. That's yeah. that's the whole point, and um, that's what I always loved about it. Yeah, and I think that you know it goes back to like seeing people in person. Like when I was talking about like you learn a lot for like you learn how to lose gracefully. It goes like when you're sitting there next to those people, you really like you cannot just be super toxic. Because you know that you're going to see them again and that, you know, it's just so much accountability in it and so much that's good for you as a, like, as a gamer to actually like have that experience. Um, but so Quake 3 Arena, um, this is me and Aaron were having this conversation last night, uh, about whether or not, like when the dawn of like the real internet gaming was. Um, and really like I was like, you know, it's dawn of 2000. The 2000 age um, is like when I think of modern gaming where you could actually have like a 3D world to navigate. And I brought up the point that, you know, people have been playing MUDs, um, which are just like text-based games, since the early 70s. I mean, like, you know, like it's – the gaming online is not – a very new thing like it's been going on for like the better part of a century at this point um which i think is something people take for granted what is happening is 3d worlds that are rendered that you can walk around in are still very last you know 20 years ish um and so quake 3 arena an amazing game um Man, some of the some of the best bots, some of the best early bots. Like I rem- like I just remember playing computers in that game and being like, "Oh, you mean I get to practice against somebody that's not my brother?" Because <laughs> like Counter Strike was kind of that same era, but there were no bots in Counter Strike, and so you could only play people online. Uh, and yeah, it was it was it was intense. Those were the good old days, man. Before you before you knew enough to really have like a jaded sense of taste, I guess. Cause now like it's impossible to go play like the new quake game and not think about all your past experiences. I guess they're kids playing the new quake game. And that's their first ever game. Yeah. <sighs> Lucky bastards. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, what about you? Yeah. I, uh, I, I think it's kind of interesting. Cause my first, my first thought was just that this is kind of the inevitable back and forth. People want what they don't have. So you want to play with people until they annoy you and then you want to play online. But I, I don't really think that's the case. And now, you know, what comes to my mind is I was reading an article the other day about what they were calling. Maybe this applies to all of us. Maybe not. I'm not sure exactly how old you guys are, but they were talking about sort of the micro generation between Gen X and millennials. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to over label things and say, oh, you know, we're different, you know, we're different than both of those people. But, but, but sort of the essence of what they were getting at was this was sort of a, I think they wanted to say just a six or eight year period where it was people who very clearly grew up analog uh-huh. and then, became adults into a digital world. And yeah. I think that almost fits with that progression of 
getting to online gaming. I mean, especially for me, because I grew up in the middle of the country with essentially no internet. We only had dial-up until, well, until I went to college. So the idea of online gaming, I mean, I, I only knew how to send a chat. That was about all I could do, and only nights and weekends. So I couldn't send a chat until 9 p.m. Yeah. Uh, so the idea of online gaming was really restricted to essentially nothing. So I, I played... You know, at at some friends' houses, and it really started off for me with a game with Command and Conquer, and then very soon after that, Red Alert, like Command and Conquer Red Alert. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that dude, that was amazing stuff. Those dude, man, Tesla coils. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Sorry, I don't want to get too deep into like Command and Conquer from back then, but yeah, those are those are that was a great game. Yeah, this this podcast runs on nostalgia, so if you want to get nostalgia, go right ahead. Okay, yeah, man. Well, shit, I brought up the 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 three different PC releases for Warcraft Two earlier. So, yeah, uh, there's a little nostalgia there. Um, but yeah, man, it's so, it's so crazy exactly what you're talking about. And like, I've never heard anybody kind of refer to that like middle gap period, although I've always related to that. And I've always thought it's been because like, you know, I've said it a hundred times already, like my older brothers are nine and 11 years older. So they, like, I was born in 89 and so they were born in 78 and 80 and they literally, were they like they were so analog and like i like my brother still has like hundreds if not thousands of dvds because he thought that was the end all be all of storage medium when it came out he was like holy shit like have you seen these dvds forget about cds do you know how much data this can hold and like you fast forward to the day like you can get unlimited terabytes of storage for just like mere dollars a month uh which was and the read access time is crazy anyway the um but so people so i always felt like i grew up in this weird world where like i got to lean on their knowledge of like the digital age and uh coming to terms with that but it's interesting to think about people living analog because um i actually dated a mennonite chick once but so she like you know she was very sheltered and so that that story could continue to happen in my i guess it's the the plot line for unbreakable kimmy schmidt huh (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly what that is but anyway going back to aaron's point um kind of derailed it but go ahead and tell us what you were going to say about between arcades and then going into the digital age yeah um i mean i i um I, I remember playing Counter Strike, but that's going to be for a different topic altogether. But uh, originally, I played. Uh, I got I got my start in LAN uh, through Halo One. I would I would go to I would like get my friends to bring their consoles over. We hook up like different rooms, and we would play each other because they used to say, "You're not that good. You 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 uh, screen." screen peek or whatever. So I was like, what if we couldn't see each other's screens? And then I, I can show you I'm, I'm better uh, that way. So we did that. And then like Halo 2 came out and you can actually play online. I was like, dude, you can play anybody. It was so cool. You can play anybody anytime. And you know, then it was like a novelty. But now it's like every game has that feature. It's It's gone back to Let's do land now. Let's 
play play somebody that he can talk to after the after. Um, I this, think, huh? that's very true. It is obligatory multiplayer now, right? Like 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 I remember some of the early. I want to say uh, GTA on multiplayers were just like, oh shit, everybody else is doing multiplayer. We need to have multiplayer because we're Rockstar. And it was like, one, your servers suck. And two, there's nothing like you're literally like we're literally just in the same city, except we can't kill each other. What is going yeah. like some like some of them are really bad because they're just like oh we gotta force this concept that we think is trending. Um, yeah, one thing I loved about Halo Two is when the launch is coming out, everybody wanted to everybody in my neighborhood wanted to play it, and I was like, you know what, I can actually host a launch party for it. And that's what I did. I went to the local Blockbuster. I was like 14 years old. I went to the local Blockbuster and negotiated that I rent consoles and game and, and games like Halo 2. And then I had a launch party and I ended up actually making like $500. So I was like, I, I kind of like running tournaments. That's what I, and it carries on to this day. Um, so I, I think the, the the buzz of of a nuanced game like that like is really uh, nice. Cool. I'm not sure I call Halo to a nuanced game, but I think you have really tapped onto a point that I think is a very valid point to bring up is about really, and it kind of ties back into what we were talking about earlier about there's no more of this like these esports tournaments are not for fun, right? Like, like they're not, they're not because somebody really wanted to throw it and really wanted to have it. Like BlizzCon, they throw world championships in WoW arenas, WoW speedruns, Hearthstone, Starcraft, Overwatch, Heroes of the Storm as a marketing tool. And, like, the games behind it are pouring, like, an incredible amount of money into it. Like, imagine if Nintendo had been throwing, like, Tecmo Super Bowl tournaments when we were kids. Like, not only would I have been... I was already playing it all the time just to beat my brother. Can you imagine if my brother was also playing it all the time to be the best in the world? Actually... Like, like it would have been crazy. Actually, like, it, Nintendo did do a, a championship for Mario. Like ninety, like Nintendo Power, nineteen ninety two, ninety three. Right. Yeah, I said Tecmo Super Bowl, but absolutely, like I mean, I'm sure they did some of it. There was no Twitch, right? Like all the players weren't Twitch streaming. Like in the modern environment, with the modern publicity of yeah. modern tournaments, is what I'm talking about. Okay. So you're you're mentioning marketing as sort of the primary driver there. W- would you apply that same strategy to, for example? Magic tournaments, I think those, you know, I'd almost wonder if I'd say those aren't purely as much about marketing as they are about, I guess, in that scenario, because you're trying to sell more products. Oh, man, it's it's 100% marketing. Like, uh, I think, Aaron, what was the name of that, uh, the format you were just telling me about, where you had to buy, like, 50 packs or something? Like, and then the, Uh, yeah. Sealed. So yeah, sealed, right? Like, so they're literally like you had to buy a certain amount of packs to even like draw to play in this tournament. I know that the whole tournament had to buy the packs, and then they literally like they support those things so that they the mag the Wizards of the Coast supports that stuff so that they can actually 
uh, like they give them packs and they give them discounts on it and like launch day promotion stuff. I think, I think even magic is 100% marketing. I think they're some of the first people to actually do it right and smart. Yeah. And that's why you see a couple magic stores in Memphis that are like, you know, the greater Memphis area, the greater magic arena, the real world, both of those stores like sell probably more magic packs than any other product. And it's not bec- and like they have they pack those things out like we were throwing a Hearthstone event at the Magic Arena they did they like ran us out the door they were like we're here to play Magic like as soon as we stood up they were like they like descended on that table they were into it and I think that is one hundred percent the marketing of Magic cards and don't be wrong I think that they let that marketing dictate the product they're putting out like you look at Hearthstone they stopped doing adventures why. I think because they can sell two expansions a year. So why put out one that's not a hard expansion unless people are going to buy when you can really like they're letting the marketing and the sales dictate the game they're creating. Unfortunately, it's a cutthroat world, right? Like I'm not throwing these tournaments the way I'm throwing them because I want to you know, have I want to live that style life? Like I'm throwing them because this is the best marketing and like the best avenue I can actually get for them. Um, and so, a lot of things I do are really marketing based. It's unfortunate um, for sure because I think that when you look at you know what people's actual desires are and like versus what they can get popular opinion to you know support. I mean, I think yeah, I think that's a very potent subject that could go all the way down to why we only have like a dual party uh political system but i think that yeah i think that you really it is all marketing for them um and and that there's just no way to have a successful game that's not well marketed also i mean i guess i guess what i'm asking is do you see it as fundamentally different because in magic the goal of wizards of the coast is to sell more packs whereas for example, Blizzard, you know, they're not coming out with a new Diablo every year or new expansions every three months, and it's more it's more purely to keep people interested versus just buying packs like Magic. I mean, is there seems like a, yeah. at least so I, at least a different strategy, whether it's completely different or not. I, you know, I yeah, just, yeah, no. So one hundred percent a different strategy. I think Aaron can attest to the like the talk about like those magic things exist because they are able to make money off selling those physical packs. Whereas we can't do that same thing with Hearthstone because there are no physical packs to sell. Um, and I think that when you start talking about whether or not the wizards of the coast has the similarities between Hearthstone and the way that they market it, I'm sorry, what was the question again? Exactly. They were, yeah, uh, you know, just, just in general, sort of Blizzard versus yeah. Wizards. You know, yeah. Wizards, a, a, you have to buy the packs, and that's really their end game goal. Mm-hmm. And then B, the way they structure their tournaments is that... Oh, right, those, yeah, sorry. The, the one point I want to make, and I'll let Aaron do. go on this, because he definitely knows um, a little more about the magic side of it, is that um, I think that in one of the things that you really have to consider there is the mediums that both the games exist on and that magic, they don't really have a strong digital version. Um, and that blizzard is almost entirely digital. And when you have to answer to those subreddits, you build a different project. 
because every one of your people is on that subreddit. Um, like you really, like you really are accountable to that. And so I would say it's almost a greater, like 2017, the fans have more input than ever and direct line to communicate with it. Um, plus it's all newer and shinier than magic, which has been around for a lot longer. So it's kind of grandfathered in, but I'll let, yeah, I'll let Aaron talk about the, so do, do you think they would sell new heroes if they could, for example, do seasons? Like they do with, with Diablo's Got Seasons, but do you think they would do for a lot of these competitive games? Here's the new characters for the season, and you don't have to play the new ones, but. Yeah, so I, I think Hearthstone is really afraid of the. They love the idea of its freemium, right? If you create a new class, they're going to. Like that, that you have to purchase, it's no longer freemium. And so I think that's why they sell like the reskinning of the heroes and the things like that. Um, and I think that to be honest, they will monetize it however they can. Right now they are very into the like, let's go with how many more people can we get if we make it free and make it super accessible and then never have the cost of entry. If that all dwindles and some new card game comes out, then they will absolutely go through a model that is like, hey, how can we get the thousand people who still play this game to give us $10,000 a year each? Um, and like, it's just like, like they're so business driven. Um, it's, it, yeah, I mean, they, they really do answer to like corporate sponsors and everything. So yeah, I think that dictates a lot of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to point out that. There's similarities between like how marketing, how the competitive scene in, in these games is marketing. The biggest, per, the big, the main purpose of professional Magic, professional Hearthstone, professional League of Legends, anything, anything like that, is that um, usually they do a, a pro tour, which it stands for professional, but it also stands the pro stands for professional or promotional. Everyone, however you want to spin it, and because the pros will t- will break down the cards into what, and it, it, I call it like trickle down, where like all the pros solve partially solve the format, so then the local players know the best cards and they can make they can copy those decks and play it locally and win, and that sells cards for the company. The same thing in league, like a new season happens, they always have like a pre pre LCS tournament just so people so people online know what the be- what the optimal strategy is what champions are the best what champions are bad and and that sells that sells skins that sells um it gets more people interested in playing the game and because you know we can't figure it out we're not good enough but the pros can right they have analysts they have all the and so really it makes it so more people understand the game more so than it does sell actual cards or product. Yeah, um, it's kind of in the same vein of like, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, it's got to be the shoes, right? You know, I mean, it's, yeah. you, know, you want to be like Mike, buy a shoes kind of thing. And it's yep. the same way with like tournaments, you know, you see the best, you know, Justin Wong, you see what he does. You're going to try and do it yourself. Try to replicate that. And, um, it generates yeah. it, but it does also generates interest. And I think that's, Matt, what you're talking about, you know, Magic's obviously trying to sell more cards with uh, Blizzard holding a tournament for, you know, Overwatch or something like that is generate interest because they live and breathe off of their player base. 
And if they don't have a player base, well, that game's kind of dead in the water. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, Blizzard makes fantastic games. Overwatch is a great playing game. But the minute that player base starts to drop off is the minute that game starts to fail. And I think that that's them holding tournaments and keeping interest in the community itself um, really helps them out. I mean, Capcom, let's be honest here. I mean, I reviewed Capcom for our website. I, mean, I reviewed Street Fighter V for the website. I that that game was a mess at the beginning, and you know, I, I I didn't rate it very good, um, even though it was a great playing fighting game. Uh, Capcom has struggled with with Street Fighter Five. I mean, this has the biggest drop off of any Street Fighter that's ever been released, mm-hmm. and uh, due mostly due to because they were trying to push it out for the Capcom Cup. Um, yeah. And the, the issue there is, is that once you have a small player base, the only thing Capcom can rely on now is tournaments. And that's where they generate most of their revenue from like DLCs and stuff like that. Every time Evo comes up, they're like, Oh, we got a new pack. Here's a new character. And, you know, please give us money. And the only way they can market that is through tournaments. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like, like I said, they're going to do wherever the money is, dude. Like, like they, like it's, it's a capitalistic. These are businesses; they're not really games. Like, we, we love the game aspect, but like, man, if they don't make money. It don't make sense for them. Yeah. One thing, there's one like devil's advocate with esports is that when you watch E3 and you hear like the, their pitches says, "We made an esport," and that kind of makes me like wary because I'm like. If that's the only selling factor that they think that's going to be a competitive game. Like most games that are esports now were never made; they're never intended to be a competitive game, like Smash Brothers or you know a lot of games like that. I'll be honest with you. Typically, when I watch E3 and they uh, the company come, the CEO comes out and says, "We got this thing; it's going to be big in esports," my mind automatically turns off. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a doggy dog world out there, including the esports tournament. Um, it's great to see guys like you who are more passionate about it, not just for monetary gain, obviously. And I think that if you continue in that route, you'll have a loyal fan base. Will it be big? Who knows? But they'll be loyal, and that's the more important thing I think is yep. in this whole game. Um, is there any other? questions or anything like that I'm, I'm i'm getting ready probably to wrap up here um did you guys have any other talking points you'd like to mention um yes yeah, so I, I guess one thing i want to say briefly and we don't even need to discuss this at all is just that uh it kind of goes back to the point of like i'm good at sports uh, which is like the reality of like soon enough the memphis grizzlies is going to get a five-man esports team 17 nba teams are going to have a five-man esports basketball team. 2K17, maybe 18, I guess, by the time that time it happens. Um, and so they will play five-on-five digital basketball. I am extremely excited about that. I think that sports games are one of those things, like we look at fighting games and we're like, oh, man, you don't. it doesn't matter who you are, you get it. Like You don't have to speak the same language, whatever, you get it. Sports games are unique in the fact that you have to understand that sport. But if you're like a diehard, like, 
you know, English Premier League. Like, I sing the songs. I go every day to each game. Like, you will be able to watch a FIFA game with an incredible amount of passion. And I think that there is a real connection there and such a intense bond between the sports gaming community and their games because they tie one for one to the real world uh, part of it that I think it's going to be huge. So we're going to try to cover some of that. It's weird because it's not necessarily the most popular tie. It's weird because, like, I love video games. Like, I love playing. Like, I'd play WoW every day if I didn't actually have to go to a job, I think. Um, But people would laugh at me for that. But those same people who would laugh at me would, like, throw down on some FIFA with me. Um, But then the same people who would laugh, like, the same people playing WoW would laugh at FIFA. And so it's, like, this weird triangle of, like, everybody's laughing at everybody. And I'm like, there's very little difference between FIFA and WoW. You're both pressing buttons on a controller to watch things happen on a screen and that and like and so it trips me out and i think that's one of the biggest like misconceptions in video games and sports like it's one of the it's one of the things that i think has to like write itself it's like the like a like a buoy you're trying to hold underwater like it has to come up and like balance that equilibrium at some point um and so you don't see that with yeah you don't see that with music and movies you know people don't diss other people well i mean i guess they do but more casually for depending on what kind of music you listen to or oh i you know i only watch action movies not scary movies yeah right yeah like in like even then like they're kind of dug into their own systems but they they still can see the other one and respect it like like there's like a dis like as much as like world of warcraft the general population dislikes basketball they dislike that video game as much and it's so weird it's like no nah, you like you should at least be warmer to that concept it's almost like they dislike it more because it's in their realm in their world um and so i i, I want to bridge that gap and i think that the things like the nba and then eventually all of the soccer leagues all of the football like the nfl like all of that will have its own as well and you'll literally the day before each game watch a team live stream their nba 2k game from the fedex forum floor and i think it's going to change the world in like the next 20 30 years because it'll be the norm people will be like oh you started a sport and it doesn't have an esports league to precede it what is that about it's gonna be weird yeah, yes. I didn't even know that was happening. Wow. It's the power of marketing because if you think about it, millennials, more and more millennials are, are less enfranchised with sports brands. Like, the, like oh, it's nothing. perfect. It's perfect for yeah. them. You know how many people play 2K? A lot of people. You know how many of them actually watch NBA games? Very little despite the fact that their stats are really tied into it. I think you see this same thing in FIFA. There's a ton of FIFA players in America. They like I play FIFA. We'll get together. We'll talk trash. We'll like throw down on it. Like we don't watch an incredible amount of like soccer overseas and everything. Um, and so that's I think that all. But if like but then they tie the get the stats in game to the real league, and so then that incentivizes you to watch it. But then when they actually put like oh you know what Chelsea is a real team. It's not just in the game. It's also an esports team. And like you know, like your FIFA inception at that point. Like, what do you do when you're trying to play the the FIFA of the FIFA team? <laughs> like, it's it's super weird. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. And so, I, yeah. I think that's one of the things that's gonna like 
in the next five to ten years really do this like 180 and it's going to be a completely different landscape where like if you like wow you're going to need to at least be exposed to the madden league um and vice versa which is not happening right now yeah that's well even going further than that you know people who just watch exclusively sports like real world sports i've got a buddy who is big into you know, doing his fantasy football league and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. he showed me like a chart. It blew my mind. He showed me a chart of like all the stats of all the players on his team and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, why are you not like playing Diablo or right? any other stat tracking RPG? Yeah. He, well, oh man, you know, what's so crazy about this is the guy, um, I don't, I guess Dakota, maybe you shouldn't say his name. I don't think it really matters. He actually gets paid to track fantasy stats for league of legends for i want to i don't know i'm not going to put the name out there the the company out there and everything but one of the big companies that actually does like real sports fantasy like he's the statistician for league of legends and so like when that dude is sitting there he's not interested in really caring about basketball he's interested in about the players on his fantasy team and so when you tell him that he can potentially go get players from the esports league and build a team there and have the inside track to some knowledge he's gonna be just as excited and if there's just and like you know gamers like some de- like game developers or gamers developers got money like there's there could really be some serious uh-oh Nice. <laughs> he got cut. It must have been must have been real serious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll call him back. <laughs> he got deep into it. Sky couldn't handle it. It's all that passion, overwhelming. Yep, overwhelming passion. One hundred percent. You killed Skype, but anyway, what's up? <laughs> so, uh, so I'm I'm good at sports, <laughs> which sucks because they're going to digitalize them. Yeah, uh, no. But seriously, though, uh, no. I, mean, I just think it's exciting. I think it's really going to happen. Um, I think that the you know that when you get those legitimate sports teams and sports like not even like franchises like leagues realizing they need a digital version of themselves, like it, it just bodes to the fact that we're all in the right spot and that this stuff is only going to get bigger. And I guess the last thing I'm going to say is. Retirement homes will become glorified land centers. Yep. Um, also, speaking of sports, sports, traditional sports embracing esports. One interesting thing is that this year, um, Major League Baseball has like a stake in Riot Games. Um, like, LC, like they they have the rights to broadcast the LCS on their on their website. I thought it was kind of hmm. when that happened. That was. I thought it was interesting that a traditional sports uh, company would buy into ha- hosting League of Legends on their website. Like, yeah, I mean, I think baseball is losing a ton of money, and that they would probably do anything to stay relevant. Um, just to be honest, I think I like them and golf in a certain way as well. Um, and really, the other like it's really it's really weird because like like NBA, they're not used to have that much money in it. Right. And like now it's super popular. Um, And I also look a lot at the traditional sports leagues to see how they're managing their leagues and everything and like draw parallels to the uh, esports scene. But yeah, so I think that's an awesome sign for us because we're the next tide coming in. I think that also just speaks a little bit to the viewership of uh, MLB at this current juncture in time. Yeah. Similarly, I was watching a Mets game the other day and they were talking about 
what other jobs they might do, how what else they might commentate, and they started talking about esports. Yeah, yep. <laughs> not in any depth, but just saying that you know that's actually an, an avenue you could commentate and make money. Yeah, well, what's crazy? Is, what one thing I, one thing I go on the list is like um, you know the when you look at the major league movie and like the commentating there, and I forget the guy who I think was I want to say it was the Mets. I might just be drawing that from the words you use, but he was commentating for like fifty years, and like these guys were like the voice of the stadium, the voice of the radio broadcast, and they were very known for that, and it was very awesome. And then I look at things like Heroes of the Storm and Gillyweed, right? Like she is like basically the like her niche role is Heroes of the Storm. And more than that, she's going to be able to get an actual, like, you know, this is my personal brand. Here's my Twitch stream. It's no longer like come to the basketball park and see me. It's like, oh, by the way, I play this game in my free time. So I think they're going to have real avenues to, like, take that. I'm a sports broadcaster slash member of the community to a whole new level and monetize it uh, in ways that haven't been done before. It's just super yeah. exciting. Like this is like I feel like we're on the cusp, guys. Yeah, it's also really enticing because it means that there could be a path forward, even if you're not technically good at the game, but you oh, just love it, dude. For sure. Like I told, I kept telling our Overwatch team, I was like, I don't care if you guys are all bronze and you lose every game. I will sell that story. Our fans will love it. They'll know that they never have to watch a tournament past the first 30 minutes. Like, the, like it, it, it could like you like the mark. I, I, I've been very big on marketing for sure, even though I'm really not a marketer and much more of a like computer scientist. Um, but I think that, you know, the marketing there really like dictates those scenes and really makes and breaks it uh, so much le- less so than like, how good you actually are at the game. Cause like you can get drunk and be terrible and just try a different game every, you could literally have a stream where you switch games every five minutes. Yeah. Half of it's loading screens and people, if you're funny enough, you're good enough. People tune in. People will watch. Yeah. Absolutely. I watched a two hour. I watched two hours of a guy playing uh, a Star Trek mod for Stellaris the other night. So, yeah, yep. it's, you can waste a lot of time watching nonsense, and it's fun. <laughs> or you could also watch some streams and get way better at HOTS. Yeah, like I mean, it's, like it's crazy. Like you could like it's 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 nuts to me how much information is out there. Because I think about I think and what I really relate it back to is Diablo and the cow level, right? Like I remember my brothers. You guys know what I'm talking about the oh, yeah. Diablo 2K. Yeah, of course you do. The that's so like you had to get to this special cow level. You had to do all this stuff. Um, and you know I was like a younger kid, so like I was never really like allowed on the computer all the, like all the time. Like I had to be with them when I was playing, and so they would never take me. Like, you know, they would show it to me, but they would never let me go in it and everything. But I could, like, and, you know, I was like, oh, I can't figure it out without them. Blah, blah, what was me? But, like, in modern day, I'm just Googling that. Or I could go on Twitch, watch that, watch somebody show me how to unlock it and, like, go in there and get in there on my own. Like, it, like it's just it's just a different day and age. Yeah. It, information is so much more accessible. I mean, you guys remember buying the book for Pokemon? I remember I didn't. buying a ton of Prime Ignites. <laughs> I didn't actually buy – yeah, I didn't buy them. I would get them secondhand and, or, like, go over my friend's house and, like, read them because, uh, like, we didn't have the money to get or whatever. But, like, I would totally show up and be like, hold on, man. I got to get through, like, Moon Mountain and, like, oh, so go left, go right and, like, push this boulder. Got it. And, like, now, nah, like, oh, man, now you never would do that. It's nuts. It's a different thing. It's amazing. Love 2017. No, I'm saying, but if, if you think about it, the same – thing applies like you saw you sought information from 
a guide to the game, and now instead of going reading a magazine, you just go on Twitch or YouTube. Yeah, I'm talking about accessibility, right? Because now I'm three. I'm like literally. I'm very fast typing because I'm a programmer. Like I'm probably about ten seconds away from a hundred guides on the internet. Whereas before, you would like you know how hard it was to flip through those things. You had to go find the page Moon Mountain was on. You had to go. Fi- you had to like follow the steps and like f- turn the page at the next one. Like now, it's all condensed online. Like, ah, oh, man, it's so much better. Yeah, I just remember. I also, I don't know. I played Vanilla WoW. That was a terrible experience. In <laughs> retro, at the time, it was amazing. In retrospect, how much time did we waste like smacking things with axes that, that was unnecessary? Yeah, I remember a long, long time ago. Like- I, there was a book on League of Legends called How to Get to Level 30. It was like a speed run. It was like a prime, prime a guide. I was like, really? Like, I can just go on YouTube. I don't need to buy that. Nice. Okay, yeah, I didn't mean to hijack your ending uh, with my <laughs> sports talk, but, I, but that's something that I think doesn't ever come up in a lot of my conversations and I always keep meaning to mention. Yeah, it's it's all good. Uh, the the other thing, that actually, that, that I just thought of was, would you guys ever consider or have you ever done um, – like streaming on Twitch, your tournaments or your events that would that would probably generate some. Uh... Yeah, so the Overwatch team definitely does a lot of streaming uh, currently. Uh, as far as the at event streaming, uh, we the a lot of the problem there is the internet of the locations and whether or not they actually have the upload speed to do the real sh- like when you're not at your house like on those type of things. Um, it's definitely more of a problem. Uh, but I absolutely plan on buying a new laptop that is capable of streaming no problem so that when we're in a spot that can actually uh, stream it, we will absolutely do that. We have gone live on Facebook a bunch of times, which is like not actually the same thing as streaming the gameplay, but like streaming from the events. Uh, and we've in a couple, uh, some Overwatch practices, uh, and also, excuse me, a couple like live events. We've gotten a little bit of traction with that as well. Uh, and yeah, and I think it's something we look to do more of in the future. Currently, not capitalizing on okay. as much as we could. Yeah. Good. Um, you know, mostly like we've been looking to help uh, build a streaming network with all of our Overwatch um, team members. We're trying to get them to a status where we could have like a, a network, um, if you will. Uh, we. I th- we feel like that's more beneficial than benefiting our brand in terms of streaming. Um, I mean, that's yeah, that's you, you want to obviously promote the talent behind you know everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know you guys have given me a ton of information that I never even considered. You know, I've always just I've watched Evo and you know smaller tournaments and stuff like that, but I. You guys are passionate about it, and I I commend you for it. It's it's really special, and it, the future looks bright. You guys, it looks bright for esports in general. Yeah, it looks bright for all of us. I'm telling, like, I really think soon enough, man, there'll be uh, retro Street Fighter Two tournaments, uh, and like it's like nostalgia is going to play a huge factor in these things too. So don't, don't just it's not just brand new stuff. No, absolutely. Yeah, future future's bright for all of us as there long you. as you're a gamer. <laughs> well, um. For the the whole spiel, where can we contact you guys if anybody's interested in the Memphis area or even in the local area around there? Where could they, if they wanted to, come to your tournaments or or find out where you were holding stuff? Yeah, where would you? One hundred percent. I think I think the one thing we'll plug is tournamentofwinners.com. dot com. Tournament of winners dot com. 
Uh, on the left-hand side, there's a link to the Facebook. That's where we do most of the communication. Uh, and then that's also where you can find updates, and pretty soon we're launching a blog there. So, yeah, tournamentofwinners.com, Facebook on the left side. Okay. All right. And, well, uh, go ahead. Also, I wanted to uh, briefly mention our upcoming tournaments. Um, uh, about a month ago, I saw I wanted to, I wanted to do a a full Riot Games sanctioned tournament, and the the, um, the requirement was eight teams. We ended up getting ten, and we're going to start this Saturday, and that's going to be a very interesting. Um, Tournament, have yep. ten competitors and only one can, one can win, and we'll um, they're going to do an online portion, uh, and then the top four will play um, in person, and then we'll see. We're going to stream a couple of games on, either stream the games or uh, post the vods on our Facebook. So yeah, that's a great point. This Saturday, the ten man King of the Real World League of Legends tournament kicks <laughs> off, and also this Saturday is the second sixteen man monthly Hearthstone tournament. I think there are still a few entry spots available for that. Yep. I think the League of Legends one is completely booked. Uh, but yeah, that's what we got going on this Saturday: League of Legends and Hearthstone. Uh, yep. Busy week for us, so. Yeah, but so if you're interested in um, how in tuning into League of Legends or Hearthstone, uh, you should check us out on Facebook or um, to see some of those like the the recaps of the games and stuff. It should be pretty intense. Fantastic. Well, I do appreciate both you guys coming on. It's been been a great pleasure. You guys are great. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, and I wish you the best of luck in all of it. Um, Thanks. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's gonna be it for us. Matt, as far as discussions of what the next game we're gonna be covering, um, I believe we've already locked in to the moon. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, little reference, uh, unexpected or unintentional reference to it at the beginning of the episode from Bryce, but, uh, to the moon. Yeah, to the moon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, Mookie, one of our listeners, has been, clamoring about this game for a long time has been wanting us to do it and we're finally going to cover it you know we finally finished xeno gears we're going to finish this apparently it's only about four hours long so that should be right up my alley then oh, this um, looks awesome so yeah so uh but yeah we're going to be covering that next week um like i said i, I did just want to say before we before we totally close out that uh you know really glad to have you guys on and uh it was it was a lot of fun to see these events or at least the, the first one that I went to, and uh, best of luck with everything, and uh, maybe I'll see you this weekend. Yeah, thanks, man. You're a legend. Like, if we ever make it big, like we'll, we'll be like, yeah, you, this was one of the, like, six people at our first event. Like, yeah. draw you guys back up. Like, you got real nerd cred day. Um, <laughs> also, um, if we could, like, if you guys want, if uh, the listeners want to check out our team's, like, Twitch pages and stuff, um you don't mind like, like linking them on your site or something like that? Absolutely. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, you can see all the links. They'll be right below the show notes on the website. Uh, you can check them out there. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's going to be it for us. Uh, this has been intermission number 23. We'll be back next week with To the Moon. But until then, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And I'm Bryce. And I'm Aaron. You guys have a great one. We'll catch you guys next week with the beginning and ending of To the Moon. <laughs>